Patience is a must. And so I've been asking the Lord all week, what should I share with the people on Sunday? And uh, we've got so many people that are gone, it's not even funny. It's actually kind of sad for how many people are actually sick. And they're frustrated because they can't get to the house of the Lord. And uh, so uh, I understand that. But I believe that we're not here by accident. I believe that whenever the body of Christ gathers together, which is the true definition of a church, it's the gathering of believers together in one place. I believe whenever that happens, God has in mind for a divine encounter with somebody. And where a song or a song set may not be to your favorite songs for that day or your favorite teacher or preacher is not preaching or teaching, but there's somebody here that the Lord wants to speak to. And he, he uses others to speak it. And I think he does that because we would all totally freak out if he stuck his head out of the clouds and started talking to us. Uh, I think we would, we'd like to say, God, do that. But I think if he did that, we'd be scared out of our minds. And so he uses the word of the Lord and he uses the songs and the singing of the word of God. And uh, so we're very grateful. And if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to the book, well, I would just follow on the screen because we're going to be bouncing from Scripture to Scripture. I want to keep Declan busy back there today. Um, but I, I want to entitle this simply, Come and Dine. And uh, when I thought of those three words... Um, nothing new comes to my mind. <laughs> uh, there's like a, a break after 1990, and so all the songs that come to my mind are all the ones that are all before 1990. And uh, so I'm, I was thinking about that, and there's an old hymnal that we used to sing <clears throat> fairly re- regularly when I was growing up. It said, Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. And it gets to the chorus and it says, come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now, come and dine. And what made those songs so powerful, and if you've never been around an older-fashioned church where there's a hymn book, I've got a few of them in the office, and... uh, there's some really, really, really good hymns, and then there's some hymns that I just don't get. And, and so, like, there's two of them that we always made fun of. One was called The Great Speckled Bird. Don't understand it, don't know what it is, but we sang it. And the other one was called The Royal Telephone. And uh, so those were two hymnals that were in that book as well. But there was a lot of them. And Come and Dine, we would sing, I remember... Uh, either Gerald Grant or Neil Bolinger, those were the two that were famous for this song, Come and Dine, the Master Calleth, Come and Dine, and, and we would sing all three or four verses or whatever it was in the chorus, and then we had the ending and all of that. And usually by the end of that song, we as the teenagers were hungry and ready for pizza. And uh, I got to thinking this morning, uh, we were with our family yesterday yesterday, 
a lot of our family. We were missing some of the younger kids. But we were together, and, and we were sitting. Uh, believe it or not, they put us at high tops. And uh, so we're all sitting three feet off the ground, kind of trying to touch ground and uh, trying to brace ourselves on other people's chairs so we didn't fall over. And, uh, but I got to looking around, and it was just, it, was, it reminded of me of our kitchen at home when I was a kid growing up. And I had the privilege and the honor of growing up in the house that my dad grew up in. And uh, I've been thinking about my dad quite a bit the last couple of days. And, and uh, so we were sitting in the kitchen. Now, our, you have to understand that my grandparents built that house on a log. So it's a big stump was the foundation. And so as the stump slowly went down, the house kind of went like that. But we sat in the same seats every meal that we had. And uh, I, I got to thinking about that. We, it wasn't even, we just kind of happened into those seats. So I would sit at one end of the table and the refrigerator was behind me and the microwave was to my right. And then my dad sat on the other side. That was where all the cereal was. And then next to him had to be the baby of the family, the spoiled one, Jeremy. And, uh, and then Jen sat next to him, and then Mom sat on the other side where the counter was behind her so she could serve and then sit and we would eat. And uh, so I got to be a professional at turning like this and opening and grabbing the milk like this and bringing it out to the table. I was a pro at that. And, uh, but here's what I remember. It didn't really matter what we were eating because we learned, number one, that we were going to have to eat it. Uh, unless my dad didn't want it. If my dad didn't want it, then we got away from not having to eat it. But if dad liked it, we were stuck. And uh, we, we, I mean, my dad would feed the dog under the table so he didn't have to eat some of his food. And, uh, but what I remember about it, it, it is it didn't really matter what it was going to be to eat because we were sitting there at the table. And because the table wasn't all that big, you didn't have to have that many dishes on the table to make it look like the table was full, that you were having a feast. And then our family is really big on holidays. We still are. We'll gather 50 people in a room to eat on a holiday. And uh, now we have three turkeys instead of one, you know, that kind of thing. And a bunch of ham instead of one ham. It's because we've got so many people. But my favorite place to eat, and I'm hoping I'm making you hungry, but if my favorite places to eat has always been something, my wife doesn't really like it, but I like buffets. I like buffets because you can get what you want, and it doesn't need to make sense. You know, you can get a fried piece of chicken, and then get a piece of fish and meatballs, and it doesn't make a lick of sense but I can get that if I want it at a buffet. And I got to thinking about the Lord, and it's been about 2,000 years or so when he ascended and when he made a statement to the disciples in John chapter 14, verse 1, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place. And so... I believe this just because I like to eat. I believe that he's been in the kitchen. And there's a table that's spread. 
Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. When you realize that Jesus has set your table and what you will have the opportunity to partake in in life is from the bread of life, that meal changes your life. When you understand that he's not just here to judge you, to give you a list of do's and don'ts and do this and don't do that and live this way and think this way and do all of that, when you realize that that's not what Jesus is about, what Jesus is about is come and dine at my table. I want to feed you with a bunch of different things, and I'm the master buffet giver. Because what you need for that hour is on the table somewhere. You just need to find out what it is that you need in that moment of time. And I believe that Jesus has come to the house today to invite you to a massive spread. To say, come up, pull up. Put yourself in that chair around the table and just begin to reach on all the things that I have for you. And it may not make any sense to you in that moment, but you can have it because I've already put it on the table. It's entirely up to you. So what are the, some of the things? I want to share what I believe some of the things are on the table that we can be hungry for today. So Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 18 Help me out, Declan. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Listen, the first thing that's on the table is your forgiveness. I want you to look at that. Though your skins are as scarlet, though they are absolutely darkened, though they are absolutely miserably, they shall be white as snow. You may think that you're marred today, but there's something at the table called forgiveness that if you will just reach out to Jesus and ask him for that forgiveness, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And not only does he forgive us, but he casts it as far as the east is from the west to remember it no more. If you have received or partaken of the forgiveness from the table of the Lord's Supper, all of a sudden you are a changed individual. Well, pastor, I've already experienced this forgiveness. Yeah, but you'll need it again today. Because some of you are Vikings fans. And some things, and some others in the house are even worse than that. And so they're going to have some attitude. And there's going to be a little frustration for another interception or another sack. Or You see, we have to have forgiveness every day. Forgiveness is a staple on the table of the Lord. And what you have to understand is forgiveness does not meet you where you're at. Forgiveness is already there waiting on you to receive it. Now, I, I need to say that again because some of you didn't catch that. So we get in this my idea that I messed up. Okay, I got to go find the forgiveness. Oh, no, no, no. I'm already at the table. It's right there. Just eat it. 
just receive it. Just say, God, I trust that you have forgiven me because I've asked and you've promised that it would be true. I'm clean. Now, your flesh and your enemy will try to tell you, well, that's this, doesn't you got to cry and you got to bawl and you got to pay penance and you, and you got to twist yourself inside out and upside down and, and get it all straightened out. And then after you get all twisted up, then you got to get an iron out and get it all fixed. And then by then, maybe God will forgive you. The thief. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today you'll be in paradise. There was no crying. There was no weeping. There was no gnashing of teeth trying to get to the throne of God. It was simply, Lord, remember me. Okay, I will. It's not hard to get forgiven. You just need to partake in the table. The second food that I see there is found in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. And we're going to be doing that today. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that. Everybody say that. In order that. In other words, we're not buried into death just to be buried, but we're buried for a particular reason. And here's the reason, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Those that are getting baptized today, when they come up out of the water, are new creatures. And sometimes we don't understand that because we still have human brains. But you have to understand, if you have been baptized into Jesus and into his death, you are coming out of the water as a new creature, as a pure, holy individual, as somebody that has been ushered into the children and the household of faith, as somebody that has entered into a relationship with the master in such a way that he totally transforms you and gets rid of all the stuff of your past. You see, we sometimes relegate people to the kids' table. How many ever sat at the kids' table? All the adults are going to have all the real food over here. Here's some peas and carrots for you. And we do that to ourselves. We come into baptism and... I know that the Bible says I'm clean. The Bible says all things that are old are passed away and all things are new. It says that I'm walking in newness of life. It says that I'm a new creature in Christ. Uh, but just give me my peas and carrots. Oh, no, no. See, here's, here's the thing that we forget. When you become a new creature, you have all access to everything he has. Because you have taken on his name. And if all power in heaven and in earth and under the earth has been given to Jesus and you have taken on his name in baptism. You now have access to all power in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. All power. That means all. That means whether or not you're having a good day or not, he has all the power. Whether you lose something or you don't lose something, you have all the power. You have access to him like that. Because you're a new creature. I like this next one, Matthew eleven, twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all you who labor. How many have labored this week? Well, there's a few lazy people in here. How many have labored this week? You've worked, you went to school, you did something, you cleaned the house, you mowed the See, we've all labored, we've all done something. And are heavy laden, and I will give you rest 
Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know, I just have to be honest with you. I don't know how people make it a week without Jesus. As busy as I see others in life that don't have Jesus, they're just as busy as those of us that do have Jesus. The problem is, is they don't have any access to rest because they don't have the rest giver. You see, at this table that's been spread in front of us, sometimes we just need to reach out and rest. Rest. Sometimes we have to turn the alarm clock off and just sleep in. I know some of us do that by accident or we hit the snooze or we never wake up to the alarm, but I'm talking about planned. Can I just tell you, and I know this is just kind of a different kind of message, it's a, it's a buffet. It's important that you schedule your rest. Because here's what we tend to do as Christians. We run 100 miles an hour with the candle lit at both ends, never taking time to rest, and then we wonder why we're tired. And we wonder why we're tired because Jesus said, you'll give me rest. Yeah, he'll give you rest, but you got to take it. You, you, can't, you can't expect. Listen, I know I'm talking to myself. I, I'm looking in the mirror while I share this. There were times when I was younger in my ministry that I would literally go weeks without going to bed because I thought something had to get done. I mean literally not going to bed. Working all night, then going to school, then working all night, then going to school, going to ministry, going to work, working all night. I, I, I did that for several years and did that several times. I was stupid. Was I more anointed? Absolutely not. Was I, did I have more clarity? Absolutely not. Did I have more energy? Absolutely not. Did Jesus help me make it through? I'm still here. But if I would have just set aside a few hours for sleep, for rest, for unplugging, now, see, men, you and I have a greater opportunity than women do for that. Because I can unplug when I make my mind up to unplug. And you're hopeless if you're going to try to talk to me about church, about God, about family, about things that you want to do. I'm just disconnected 100%, and I have retreated to my box, my nothing box. Am I not a master of it? <laughs> where a woman at rest just means that it's 100 trains going through her brain instead of 500 trains. But whether you're a man that can totally disconnect or a woman that you just have to disconnect some of it, you've got to plan it. See, here's... Can I just talk to you? I'm just, I am, can I? I'm just going to do it. Here, here's the thing. 
How many have ever said, okay, I want to take this day to rest, and then you're sitting in your living room and you feel guilty because you're not doing something at the house that you have a bazillion things that need to be done? Can I just tell you that's the enemy? That's the enemy. Now, I wouldn't suggest that you do that for three weeks straight because the house will need some work after that and you're making twice the amount of work. But there are some days where you just have to just say, as much as I want to get out and do something, I just need to sit. I just need to sit. If it's watching a movie, reading a book, staring out the window, scare your neighbors one time. Just stand there for six hours and stare out and see what they say. Because it is in those moments when you don't even realize it that Jesus is just pouring rest into your soul so that the next day you're not getting up at an empty tank and trying to continue to move. It's so important. It's so important. But it's at the table. Jesus died so that you didn't have to. So why are you trying to kill yourself by your schedule? The Bible also says this. Obedience is better than. So why do we sacrifice ourselves so easily and not obey? Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor. That's all of us. And I will give you rest. And yet we think we're sacrificing because we're not resting. No, we're being disobedient. And obedience is greater than sacrifice. And so when we're obedient, he takes that obedience and blesses it. But when we sacrifice it, we just sacrifice it. But because that sacrifice is coming at the expense of disobedience, we're not getting refreshed. Matthew 28, verse 20. Teaching them to observe that I have commanded all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How many have ever felt lonely? How many have been around hundreds of people and still felt lonely? You're never alone. I am with you always. If you're sitting at the table of the Lord, he's always at the table. Nobody else may join you at the table, but he's already there. And here's the thing about Jesus. He's cooked the food. He's prepared the food. He's plated the food. And now he's serving the food. And on top of that, he'll sit down and fellowship with you over the food. Because that's the way Jesus is. He's there. Psalm 37, 25. This one applies to some of us. I have been young and now I'm old. And that wasn't even me that said that. <laughs> I have been young and now I'm old. 
I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm not as old as some of you. But yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. In all of my ministry, I have yet to see somebody that is serving the Lord. Notice it doesn't say, yet I have not seen everybody. It says the righteous. It says those that are basically attempting to serve him and be a part of him and connected to him. I've never seen them forsaken or their children begging for bread. Listen, if you're sitting at the table of the Lord today, he will supply all your needs. I didn't say wants, I said needs. He'll supply them. Now something happened, and I'm not sure the exact year. There's, there's something on the History Channel that I enjoy watching sometimes, and it's the food that formed America or the companies that formed America, and it gives you the, the competitors and all the historical setting of how we got what we got from Little Debbie's to Taco Bell, okay, to all the other, you know, General Mills and all of them. And uh, I don't know the era or the day that switched over. It was probably between the 80s and the 2000s where we went to the bulk stores, where we went to the Sam's and the Costco's. Before then, it was just a local. I worked at a local grocery store where you went for groceries, not for chainsaws. I worked for Wild Bill Nolan. Some of you know Nolan's grocery stores, especially if you're on the east side. I worked for Wild Bill Nolan, and uh, that was something, but something shifted. And, and so now what we've done is we, we all try to buy in bulk because it seems to be cheaper. Sometimes I wonder if it's cheaper or not because you buy in bulk, but then you got a freezer to, you know, never mind. But here, here's, what, here, here's what I'm trying to say is we have gotten to the place where you walk into a place like Menards and you can find just about anything you want. I mean, you, they've got the whole grocery section and they've got lawn chairs and lawn mowers and tractors and, and sheds and grills and tools and uh, restroom stuff and ducks and cabinets and paint and all that kind of stuff is all found under one roof. Can I just tell you what those big box companies have decided to do? They realize that people like convenience and one-stop shopping and coming in and be able to find all of that. You want to know who knew that before? Jesus. Jesus understood that, well, we're going to like one-stop shopping. You need forgiveness? It's Jesus. You need a cleansing? It's Jesus. You need food? It's Jesus. You need healing? All you got to do is go to Jesus. You need deliverance? It's Jesus. If you need a good home, Jesus will help you find it. If you need a good car, Jesus will help you find it. The problem is that sometimes we don't listen. And so we get into things. But Jesus is right there, even then, to supply all your needs. Why aren't you sitting at the table? Why are you trying to figure it out on your own? I have one more that I want to share with you. And I know this has just kind of been a weird presentation. I totally understand that. 
homiletically, Sister Schnur may not be very happy with me today. She was my teacher back then to teach us how to preach. Psalm 3, verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory, no, no, it's, it's our glory, not his glory. My glory. You are a shield, Lord, around me and around my glory, and you are the lifter of my head. Can I just tell somebody today, whatever you're going through, he will lift your head. Whatever you're going through, he will be the ring of protection around you. You don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to walk in apprehension. He is your shield and your buckler if you have come and dined with him. If you're at the table in the buffet reading and grabbing that which Jesus has supplied for us, he has given us a hope. He's the lifter of my head. You know, you and I can try to encourage somebody. We really can. And we need to. It's biblical that we would encourage one another and edify one another. But how much greater is it for me to have Jesus come and lift my head compared to my son saying, you did a good job? As much as I like Owen telling me I did a good job, when Jesus lifts me, it's a little different story. And yet we ignore that part of the buffet. Because here's what we try to do. And here I'm coming to a close. Here's what we try to do. We try to do it on our own. And because we fail to understand that when we do it on our own, it's almost always going to fail. So we put our head down. Oh, God, I messed up again. I didn't do the right thing. I tried. I tried. And the whole time he's there, I understand that you tried. I understand that you tried. But you can't do what I'm asking you to do on your own. So let me lift you up. Let me just say this. Here's the one thing that I know about everybody in this room. Everybody in this room. We are all failures. I, 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 some of you are like, well, I'm pretty successful. I've accomplished a few things. Let me give you the King James version of that statement. For we have all sinned. That word sin just means you fall short of the expectation. We all fall short. We are all failures. But the exciting thing is, bring that scripture back up, Declan. Psalm 3.3, bring that back up for me. Even though we're all failures, he shields us. See, here's the thing. 
Can I, can I just share a secret? And I don't want to blow anybody's theological bubble as I close this message. But you and I are created in the image of God. God loves failures because God has experienced failure. Well, pastor, God can't fail. No. Didn't Eve do something and Adam do something? If, he was, if God was 100% perfect, everybody, nobody would have a problem. But God doesn't expect perfection because what he wants is a communication level and a communion and a friendship out of a desire. The reason why God allowed himself to fail, so to speak, and please understand, don't walk away from your pastor just went haywire. Well, maybe I did, but not in this case. Okay? God allows failure because we're in his image, and in his image we're failures. And he does so so that he can come alongside of us and perfect us. Because perfection is found in the union of God and man. And perfection is found in the mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is perfect. The God-man, if you will, the deity that took upon humanity became the perfection so that you and I would have a shield about us that would shield my glory, that would be the lifter of my head, that would give me hope everlasting, so that I'm not mired in a bunch of clay. I'm not stuck in my circumstance. I'm not tormented by my terrors. But I am free to be perfect in Him. In this life, I'll never fit, uh, fulfill perfection. But in Jesus, I have hope. Because He's my shield. He's my glory. He's the lifter of my head. Would you stand and worship Him right now? If it's been a while for you to be at the table, if you need forgiveness, receive forgiveness tonight. If it's been a while since you've rested, step into a spirit of rest. Oh, yes. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you're going to get baptized, I'm going to ask that you go out there, out there right now. They'll get you ready. We'll be out and join you in just a couple of minutes. This was written in November 9th of 2020. It simply said, Come to the table. Come to the table, for it has been set. Come to the table so you don't forget. I am the good shepherd. I am all that you need. I've prepared a table for you to come and feed. On my goodness and faithfulness, mercy and grace, come dine with me and seek my face. 
As you gaze upon me and enjoy the feast, your fears are removed from the greatest to the least. The table's been set, so come and dine on the bread of my body and on my new wine. My body once bruised now makes yours whole. My blood poured out restores your soul. So come to the table. Come dine with me. It's prepared in the midst of your enemies. They will sit and watch in terror and dread as they see the oil poured over your head. The anointing of power, the anointing of grace, the anointing to break every curse and disgrace, the anointing to love, the anointing to heal, the anointing to show that my love is real, the anointing to laugh, the anointing to sing, the anointing to rule with the king of all kings. The anointing to profit, the anointing to lend, the anointing to walk into darkness and cause it to end. The anointing of justice, the anointing of truth, the anointing to minister unto the youth, the anointing to set every captive free, the anointing to bring many to me. Every anointing for every need is found at my table, so come and feed Leave your past behind. It will plague you no more. As you sit at my table, you are fully restored. So eat the bread and drink the wine, and the word will soon see that you are mine. How appropriate. Would you just read out, reach out and worship him now? I love you, Jesus. Yeah, partake right now. By the authority of the Word of God and the power that's in the name of Jesus. I release the anointing of the shield. I release the anointing of glory. Lord, by your Spirit, let every head be lifted up. In the name of Jesus, let the glory of the Lord rise among us even now. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, glory to the Lamb, glory to the Lamb. I speak rest. I speak provision. I speak peace. Uh, I speak, Lord God, the fulfillment of provision. Lord, loose the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon your people even now. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Jesus. I don't do this very often, but I, I feel the spirit of prophecy on my head right now. And I believe the Lord is trying to tell us this week, if you'll spend time at the table, you'll find what you need. It's a conditional thing. Most prophecies are. It's conditional. If you'll spend time at his table, he's going to give you what you need. So tomorrow in the middle of the day, if you have to pull aside, take a restroom break, make the restroom your prayer room, because the table goes wherever you're at. 
God, I just need something from the table. I don't even know what I need right now, God, but just fill me from the table. I'm challenging us this week to be buffet eaters. Heavenly, divine buffet eaters. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Lord.